104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Yeah, it is time for Ned Talk, and we're in the studio on a... Oh, it's a beautiful... Wouldn't you say, Ned, it's a beautiful Thursday afternoon? Yes, Thursday. Couldn't be any better. Perfect sun's out, perfect temperatures ring on the sports. That's right. We got some football going on tonight right here in your home for the Kansas City Chiefs. 104.7 The Cave Chiefs and the Packers. Last game, last preseason game. And I'm excited because this is uh, the one where guys are going to try to make their marks. You should see some interesting play in the second half of this. But let's start out the show by, first of all, introducing everybody. I'm Joe Weston. Already said Ned Reynolds. You guys all know him. Jake Gillette is with us. Jake, how are you? I'm really good for a Monday. See, this is my fourth Monday to this <laughs> week, Your fourth so. Monday, okay. <laughs> fourth Monday. Alex Scott in the studio. Alec, how are you? Feeling great. Ready for some football. Can feel the excitement building as this preseason winding down. And St. Josh Roberts is setting in with us today. St. Josh. Well, wow. we, we had this discussion via elevated. text the other day about how you wanted to uh, take the high road all the time. Oh, I, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm learning. <laughs> and John, lame excuse, Oliver, not here today. Still so, working. Still on the IR. So let's yeah. talk about, uh, first of all, let's start out with Lynn Dawson passing away. Well, broadcast and football royalty, you can't, uh, you can't overlook everything he did. Here's a guy who, my gosh, an icon, not just in Kansas City, but in the National Football League. I was got thinking, which is for me a bad thing, that he <laughs> is uh, probably the only, and I'm wrong on this, uh, but he's one of only two players to be inducted into the National Football League Hall of Fame, both as a player and a broadcaster. Oh, nice. The other one, and I should have known it and didn't, is Frank Gifford, also in... Oh, I was going to say Dandy Don Merritt. No, no, not Dandy Don. You would think that. And that's one of the principal reasons, interestingly enough, why Len Dawson excelled in Kansas City. He's with the Dallas Texans... And Dallas, they're a good team, winning championships, but they're in the same town with the Dallas Cowboys, the true NFL team. And who is the Dallas Cowboys quarterback in the years that Lenny is uh, winning with the Chiefs? Dandy Don. Yep. So in a, sense, in a sense, Dawson is responsible from that aspect of things for Meredith being what he was. But he, he was so much more. He's a king in Kansas City, led his team to the two Super Bowls, uh, and a man of the year in 73, my gosh, he led the league in passing six consecutive years. And he was a gentleman. He Truly. always, in the times I talked to him, which were numerous since he was a TV associate, he was with KMBC in Kansas City, and a year later I joined KY3. So we would, we would share little trade stories and things like that. And he never, never, never... How can I say this? He never stood up from you. He he didn't look down at anybody. He was a gentleman and willing to be a part of everything that was going on. He was part of Kansas City. Ned, I wanted to ask you this. I, I'm the oldest of this group by a little bit, and I don't really remember Lynn Dawson as a player that well. I remember the end of his career where he was kind of a shadow of himself. What type of player, when you watched Lynn Dawson, was he? Very smooth. Very smooth and in control. They called him Lenny the Cool for a reason, because he was he was totally unflappable. You could you could blitz him, you can throw him down to the the 
turf many, many times and didn't bother him. I do remember the one incident very clearly in 1968 or 69. That's how clearly I remember. I don't remember what year it was. But the uh, Chiefs are playing the Oakland Raiders in Kansas City at the old stadium, Municipal Stadium. Late in the game, tight game, and Dawson rolls to his right to throw, and there's nobody open. So he heads for the sidelines, gets to the sideline, and big Ben Davidson of Oakland comes over and levels him. Way out of bounds, just levels him right into the right into the turf, right in the grass in front of everybody. And in a flash, in a flash, here's the game breaker, Otis Taylor, in uh, Ben Davidson's face. And they've got their helmets off and they're going after. It's the awfulest brawl you've ever seen. And when it was all over, the referees finally got it stopped after about, oh, 10, 15 minutes or so. Put the ball back at the original line of scrimmage. What on earth kind of thinking was this? <laughs> and that caused great consternation and all that. I think the game ended in a tie, if I remember correctly. But over and above that, totally in control. And that was the thing that my old radio buddy, Kurt Murs always used to tell us. He said the man was in charge. And in charge in every single aspect of the game. He was the leader that you only see once in a lifetime. Not just on offense, he governed the team. I'm probably the oldest one in here to remember that uh, growing up, there used to be only really one premier channel that anybody got in their cable systems, and that was HBO. It was really before the Cinemax, Showtime, all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. And the show that everybody watched every week was Inside the NFL, hosted by Lynn Dawson and Nick Bonconi. And it 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 was the best sports NFL show that was ever produced. And I think it is still made today. It's just on a different broadcasting network. And I, um, I grew up watching that and he was a smooth broadcaster and exactly all the things that you said about him as a football player, he was unflappable on the air and he and Nick Bonacani had such a great chemistry and you knew that they knew what they were talking about because they'd been there. They played it. They lived it. They understood it. And they had the respect of the guys that they were talking about. What do you think, Jake? No, 100%. Um, Anytime you hear anybody talk about Lynn Dawson, they have nothing but good words about him. I love listening to Ned talk to him, especially having a, uh, you know, you from the mouth of a person that's talked to him several times and able to to tell us exactly what kind of person he was, not what we've read in a book. Um, Yes, Inside the NFL is one of the greatest things ever. And Lynn Dawson, after his career, he just, he's kind of like those guys just can ride off into the sun and you know he was a happy man. And everybody around him was better because of him. And it was awesome. He got us our Super Bowl, like I said, one man of the year in 73. And just, he deserved everything he ever got and everything he's ever handed for. And he worked his butt off for it. So he's, he's one of the stars, really, of when you think about early NFL football. And that was a period when the quarterbacks dominated the game some running backs, but you think of guys like Jim Brown, you think of Lynn Dawson, you think of Roger Staubach, you think of uh, Dan uh, from Dick, uh, Dick Buckus, I'm trying to think who, who he, he would probably be on the 70s Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. If Yeah, if he had made it in the NFL, he would have been. He didn't. He got cut by the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then uh, this this will bore you, but he went to the Cleveland Browns. And tried to tried to get the number one spot there, but the number one spot 
was owned by a guy who, in my freshman year in high school, was a senior in the same conference in which our football team played, Milt Plum. And he was an all-New Jersey, all-everything, went to Penn State, and the Cleveland Browns got him, and he was the Browns starter. And Lenny did not beat him out for that job. Plum held on to it for quite a few years. And so he said, hey, the hell with this. I Do I really want to play football? His old position coach at Purdue, a guy named Hank Stram, was the head coach of the Dallas Texans. Hey, Leonard, come on over here. We've got room for you. And it was a perfect storm because while you had the likes of Jack Kemp and people of that caliber, you didn't have Joe Namath quite then, but he was pretty soon after that, came on in 65. But that's what brought the AFL into prominence. But Len Dawson was very much a part of that. His teams were really good. Geez, I remember very well. It was um, New Year's Day, I think it was, 1966-67, and the AFL championship was old War Memorial Stadium in Buffalo. And Dawson, on a cold, muddy, sleety day, the winner's going to the Super Bowl, the very first Super Bowl ever. And the Chiefs blew that team right out of the ballpark, 31-7. to Dawson was responsible on just an awful day, and uh, the Chiefs from there on in. There were many who felt that the Chiefs could have beaten the Green Bay Packers, and most people, including Moi, said, that's ridiculous, they can't stand up to this team. And yet it was only four years later that the Chiefs were Super Bowl champions because of Lenny. I think if you look at Packer, if you look at, sorry, look at Chiefs history, Lynn Dawson, no matter how great Patrick Mahomes is, Lynn Dawson's name comes first. Oh, to, yeah. a cer- to a certain generation. I mean, uh, I'm looking at Alec right now, and, he, and, and I, are you lost <laughs> in this conversation about Lynn Dawson? I'm enjoying learning more about Lynn Dawson, though I'm familiar with the name. I think recency bias plays in. Everyone's ready to crown Mahomes the king of Kansas City sports and the best thing to ever come out of it. And as great as he is, you know, the legacy still remains to be built. Lynn Dawson has it not only on the field but off the field. So I think it's a good time in moments like these to really reflect on the whole body of work, everything that he did. And, you know, remember, as far as Kansas City Chiefs go, if he's not on your Mount Rushmore, I don't know who you're putting ahead of him. Right. Tell us your uh, Lynn Dawson story, Josh. So I'll say one thing first. The the best picture of Lynn Dawson is that picture of him at the halftime <laughs> of the Super Bowl where he's got a soda under his chair and he's smoking a cigarette. A fresca and a cigarette. Yeah, a fresca and a cigarette for the halftime of the Super Bowl. That dude was awesome. Hey, look, that's how they did it. Yeah. I mean, that was that was pro football back then. You think the, they hear about the rugged guys who did all that. Well, the only difference is they weren't as big as they are now. But, oh, my goodness sake, they lived that same lifestyle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so my story is really it's my mother's story. My mother used to own a children's club clothing store and they would have a big uh, buying, they called it market. They'd go to market to buy clothes and stuff and they always had this big banquet and they'd have celebrity guests. So she was, she was never a sports fan, but uh, they would have a big dance. And so this guy asks her to dance and so they're dancing. And he goes, you don't know who I am, do you? And she goes, no, I'm sorry. And he goes, my name's Lynn Dawson. She goes, oh, okay. Because I'm, I'm the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. She goes, oh, my husband and kids would love that. Can I get an autograph? <laughs> and he gave her an autograph after they danced on the dance floor. But she even said he was a perfect gentleman. Very nice. Very. They had a nice conversation. Danced a couple times, and that was it. That was. I mean, he was that cool, that smooth. 
You're listening to Ned Talk, your local live sports talk show. We are about 48 minutes away from the beginning of the Chiefs pregame broadcast. We'll have the last Chiefs preseason game tonight. Ned, do you have a particular favorite Lynn Dawson story you'd I like do. to share? I do okay. indeed. I, for many years, worked with Kurt Mers, who was an offensive lineman on the team and an all-pro and all that sort of thing. He just he held Lynn Dawson in the highest of regard. Leader, a guy who made the team what it was, but like all leaders, there were sometimes some disagreements and sometimes some ruffled feelings and so forth because Lenny would let you know if you weren't doing the job. Now, Big Kurt was an offensive lineman, offensive tackle, tight end at Iowa, but an offensive tackle with the Chiefs, and he was big, like 270, 280 lost that weight when he came down here. Anyway, he said we had a favorite story. If Lenny, and this is, he's using this collectively on the offensive line, if Lenny ever got onto us and we thought it was maybe unnecessary, we had the lookout Lenny play. Oh, no. (laughs) He said we were always ahead. It wasn't going to be a problem, but we'd kind of back off, lay down, and yeah, look out, Lenny! (laughs) (laughs) Was there a better, has there been a better coaching combination than Hank Stram and Lynn Dawson? Probably not, because Lenny was a coach out on the field, a leader. And you have to have the leader, and Stram was a leader in his own right. He was that kind of personality. The two of them, really, they, they were t- polar opposites as far as personality is concerned. But yet they were able to get their direction, their articulation. Stram was a very, very good speaker. And Lenny was a very good speaker in different styles, but it got the message across, and the players knew what was expected of them. They had a great cast of players. Don't get me wrong. They were really good, but you have to have the leadership to make it work, and those two were. So they're kind of an AFL version of uh, Bart Starr and Vince Lombardi. There's every reason to make that comparison. And you could make that comparison because they played. Played each other in Super Bowl number one. Oh, yeah. And again, of course, the Packers were a veteran team, and they had veteran players. They were deeper probably than Kansas City. You had Max McGee, who didn't expect to play, so the night before he <clears throat> went out on the town, thank you, <laughs> uh, was feeling a little poorly that day, so all he did was catch a couple of touchdown passes. But the the whole scheme of things in the NFL, it was still the the proven league and would be later on. Packers won the next year after that before the Jets came along and knocked off Baltimore, and then the Chiefs came along and knocked off the Vikings. So it wasn't really too long before the amalgam of talent began to work, and hey, it's, it's pretty much even keel now. Let me ask you this. Did you ever um, have conversations with Lynn Dawson about what he thought about playing in that first Super Bowl, what his thoughts were going into that game? Absolutely. What do you say? They thought they were going to win. Well, I mean, what do you think about the game itself, not just the winning or losing of it? Did he think this was just a As I remember, uh, and again, this is a long time ago, but as I remember, he said the Packers made some key adjustments in the second half. First half was close. It was very much a competitive game. But in the second half, they put they 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 uh, made some defensive adjustments in the backfield. They disguised their blitzes, and they put a lot more pressure on him and took away the running game. Mike Garrett had been running very well in the in the first half, but they shut him down and then pretty much shut the Chiefs' offense down as well. 
But again, that was a, that's the style of play. AFL was much, much more wide open than the NFL. And with a team like the Packers and Vince Lombardi, you could shut that down if you made the right defensive calls. Now, later on, the AFL caught up with that and made their own adjustments. And that's why you had what were considered to be the upsets with the Vikings and the Jets. I'm sorry, with the Chiefs and the Jets winning their games. Did he think that the when he played in that first Super Bowl game, that it would be as big as it's become? Well, it wasn't. That was yeah, just I know. it. It was, it was, it was uh, kind of a, a novelty. I don't, think, I don't think that ever occurred to anybody that it was going to become, it was designed to become, of course, it wasn't called the Super Bowl then. Yeah. It was called the AFL-NFL championship game. Didn't morph into the Super Bowl until I think... It may have to be corrected, but I think the Chiefs game with the Vikings was the first Super Bowl, I believe. But no, I don't think that probably ever dawned on them. What I think was a surprise to the media back then was, hey, this is the Coliseum in L.A. You've got the Chiefs and the Packers, the two best teams. They'll have 95, maybe 100,000 fans. It wasn't. It was about 65,000 is all it was. And that was a small crowd. Hell, Southern Cal and UCLA with their games outdrew what that first Super Bowl game did. Didn't last very long because it changed. The next year in the Orange Bowl, it was a sold-out crowd, and it's been virtual sellout ever since. Lynn Dawson, a legend, and he will truly be missed by the Chiefs' kingdom. When we come back, we'll talk about what the Chiefs are going to do tonight and who you can expect to be on the roster in a couple of days. You're listening to Ned Talk. On 104.7, The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7, The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. We're about 26 minutes away from the start of the Chiefs pregame show, hosted by Dan Israel, Mitch Holtis, Dana Hughes. And Art Haynes, and I can't wait for some football tonight. Last preseason game from Arrowhead. And it will be the Chiefs and the Packers, the Aaron Rodgers Packers. Jordan Love is going to get the start and the reps tonight. At least that's what we're being told. And we'll see. What do you expect to see from tonight's game, Ned? Well, I had the occasion today to talk to Danon Hughes. And my lead question to Danon was, all right, what regulars are we going to see tonight? <laughs> Dayton says, you're going to see all of them. They won't be playing, but you'll see all of them. <laughs> we'll, we'll see nobody out there in terms of actual competition. This is the game for, and I think the number's 34. 34 players that uh, need to be cut before next Tuesday. Wow. And it's probably going to be incrementally. It probably won't be on just one day. But this is the game in which those three or four or five guys who are hanging there in the balance as far as making the team is concerned are going to go out there and be given the opportunity to shine. Jake, what do you think? Same thing. I mean, it's the bubble game. It's the last of the last. Um, we do know Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play. And for what, uh, since 2018, he has not played a single preseason game. Uh, fun fact, uh, Mahomes has never played against Aaron Rodgers, regardless of his uh, season in the middle of the season or preseason. It's always been either COVID or he was out with that knee issue a couple of years ago. So, uh, be, look forward to one day them being able to play against each other. But I did like I did read that 
The special teams coach got really upset that last game because the commanders kept kicking it out of bounds, and he's wanting to see some action. For his players, it's hard to really judge how your guys are going to do if they're not getting any play time. So he has reached out to the Packers like, hey, kick our guys the ball, and let us, we'll kick you the ball, and let's get some, you know, get some action for our guys because it is it's time to start making that final cut and see who you're going to keep. Here's another fun fact. Aaron Rodgers has not played in February since 2018. Love that one. <laughs> Love that one. A little bit further on. Alec, what do you think about tonight's game? Well, calling it the bubble games, an astute observation. I mean, roster stand at 80 right now. It's got to get to 53 once the season gets really underway. I'd be willing to bet the coaches know at least 48 of those players that are going to be on that roster. There's a finite amount of room and still a lot of really good players who aren't just competing for a roster spot but a practice squad spot. Many of these guys that get cut are going to be coming right back. But with the Chiefs resting their guys, they'll be watching their backups for the Packers. I have a thought that I think they really want to see Jordan Love show something because they've got Rodgers on the type of contract where if anyone came calling about Jordan Love with the right offer, I think they'd want to take it at this point. So far, though, in all of his dress rehearsals or real regular season action, hasn't been much that you'd want to come calling about. So another opportunity for him to maybe either supplant his place as that future back future starter or trade bait. And then for the Chiefs, just one last dress rehearsal, get everything worked out and keep everyone as healthy as possible. St. Roberts. Well, I, I kind of assume that Aaron Rodgers doesn't, wasn't playing tonight because he's shooting the sequel to Con Air. (laughs) As per our conversation last week, when he showed up to training camp, looking like, Nicholas Cage from <laughs> but uh yeah um it's gonna be interesting to see the, you know it, that's what is is interesting to me in this these last preseason games is these guys are these guys are busting their butts to try to make a spot and there aren't very many spots left like you guys are saying so it's gonna be it, I think we'll see some sloppy football I think we'll see some good football um but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who makes the cut and who doesn't. Let's, uh, let me throw some names out there to you guys, and, and you tell me, cut or on the team? Let's start at the running back position, Ronald Jones. I think he's off the team. I think he has played himself right off the team, uh, has not shown himself at all during any of the preseason games. I think his grand total is something like two yards gained and eight carries or something of that nature, and he's been banged up a little bit. Even with the injury to Derek Gore? Well, Gore is out for the year. Yeah. He's on the injured reserve, and when you put him on injured reserve at this time, they are out for the year. It's a broken thumb. But even with that, yeah, I think they have enough depth at running back. It, it isn't one of the strong points on the team, but there's enough solid depth there to probably take the place of an expensive individual. Ron Jones has been around in the NFL. I think he is one who's cut. Jake, your thoughts? Same thing. And then if we have an issue with some uh, injury, he might be brought back if he's not picked up by another team. But I I didn't see anything that's super special from him. What about you, Alec? Would agree, and I like the point you made. I feel like when you get guys in here in the preseason, in the very least, they learn your playbook a little bit. So injuries are going to happen throughout the year. And if you've got someone who you can pick up from free agency that will pick up and run with your playbook fast, he's now got that experience. So I Josh? Gone. I didn't even realize he was on the team. So. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I, I, it, unfortunately, the guy has been the worst of their running backs, and I'm saying that because I don't even like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, so uh, I don't think he'll make it. And they've got so many running backs that are serviceable. 
they're not even going to need him on the practice squad or the taxi squad. So I think he's out. All right, let's uh, let's turn to a wide receiver. This one's interesting to me because I'm re- really interested to get all your takes on this, Josh Gordon. I think it's a stretch in all honesty. If he makes the team, it's going to be in the taxi squad. They have enough wide receivers. The two guys they got, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster and the Scantling kid from Green Bay, they're quality players. Not that Josh Gordon isn't, but he has not played. And he's all, almost what? He, in fact, he may be over 30 years old. A guy who's had his problems, has had trouble picking up the playbook. I see him, if he makes it, on the taxi squad. Something I, I wanted to say, I've been impressed by Justin, Justin Watson. He's played extremely well. Let's hear it for the Ivy League, guys. Yeah. Here's a guy from Penn. I mean, how many Ivy Leaguers are in the NFL? Not very many. And he is one of them. He has a chance. He has terrific speed. Obviously, the desire to play, and he has caught passes in the exhibition games that have been very impressive. Your thoughts, Jake? Oh, I think that it was a stretch bringing him back. Um, Andy's got that big heart mentality. He did the same thing with Michael Vick. Now they're totally two different individuals with two different problems, but I think that Andy's just one of those guys that tried to keep a guy around uh, just to keep his head up for a very cheap price. You know, what do you have, one touchdown last year? So I I was surprised when they signed him again. I really was. I, I was, didn't realize what we were doing, which I thought the same thing about Tyreek Hill, and they start signing everybody else on the league. So with Valdez and Juju, everybody with three or four last names. <laughs> <laughs> before before I uh, before I give it back to Alec, let me apologize to his wife, Tori, and say I'm sorry that I cut you off. So sorry, Tori, that I cut Alec <laughs> off there. I didn't mean to Well, you might have missed that she she won't be listening until about the back half due to her work schedule. So okay, she'll well, catch that on the podcast Good. and have words for you later. But Uh-oh. I guess I'll be the... I'll be the different opinion. I feel like I, I think he makes it just, you know, you said the big heart reasoning with Andy Reid and, you know, they, they want to, I feel like the, the physical aspects of Josh Gordon are hard to ignore with the size and the speed and the, the talent that he has displayed in the past. I personally would, wouldn't want to keep that around just because of the recent track record of production. There just, it hasn't existed, but I feel that it's too enticing of, potential for Andy Reid, the offensive mastermind that he is, to ignore. I think I want to keep that around. Are you done? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm done. Okay, Josh? But anyway, what I was saying was... <laughs> <laughs> My question would be, how many wide receivers are they going to keep? Because well, right now, I mean, you know, uh, Smith, Schuster, Valdez, Scantling, you're right, there's a lot of names here. McCole Hardman, Sky Moore is going to stay for sure. Justin Watson should be there. Uh, and then there's a bunch of guys. Doris Fountain is in the second spot behind McCole Hardman. There's and Corey Coleman. Hear it for the Missouri Valley Conference, too, Cor- with Fountain. Cornell Powell, uh, Aaron Parker, Jerron Ely, and Justin Ross. Justin Ross is out for the year, so yeah. he won't make it. But I could there's a lot them, of wide receivers there. I could see them keeping Josh Gordon just because of the depth that it provides. They've got a lot of receivers, but a lot of them are, are unknown and, and untried. You know, like you guys have said, Josh Gordon is like this unrealized potential at this point. He is a big guy. He's got good speed. I don't think he'll get much playing time if they do keep him on the team because I don't think they'll need him in there. But I could see him catching a touchdown pass this season if they can't keep him. 
All right. And our last one, quickly, your thoughts on Jody Fortson. Will he be part of the team? I think he will be. He has shown himself as a tight end. The other key tight end back up to Kelsey is Blake Bell, and he's out for who knows how long with hip surgery. So, yeah, I think Jody Fortson, not a big-time college player, Valdosta State, but still a guy who is big physically at 6'4", probably about 235, 240, good set of hands, and had won a place on the team in the past. He's had an injury that kept him out. So, yes, I see him sticking with the team. Let me tell you about a guy. Let me uh, tell you about a guy you need to keep an eye on, okay? This guy you need to keep an eye on as the season comes around. That guy, going to tell you about Blake Bell. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. That's pretty good. Sorry, Jake. <laughs> uh, it's, you know what? It's funny. It does, it, I feel like it sounds better without the microphone. And when I not when I put myself in the spot, I start to think about my Mitch Holtis impersonation. <laughs> so if you catch me in the street oh, and say do Mitch Holtis, you'll get a great one. But when I think about it, it's in the toilet. So, what do you think? Do you think Jody Fortson's going to make the team? Yes, I mean look what he did last week. I mean, yeah, I had a great two game. touchdowns. That was great. I, I thought it was great. Humble guy too. I was he, listening yes. to the interview. Uh, Mike does keys to the kingdom each weekday morning. My shameless plug right here. <laughs> Does Keys to the Kingdom each weekday morning right around 720. And he had an interview with Jody Fortson and humble guy. He is. Talking about no. just being the guy in the right spot at the right time. And he goes, could have been me. Could have been Josh Gordon. Could have been Noah Gray. Could have been anybody. But I just happened to be the guy there. And we're all working for the same goal. So that's kind that's of stuff. Those are the kind of guys you want around, you know, yeah. is team players that aren't looking for some kind of big show. But I do think with Blake Bell, with his hip flexor, that just opens the road for a kid that showed us last week that he is somebody that, that Mahomes could be looking for. And you never know. We've been talking about injuries. We have not, and I knock on wood, there's zero wood in this in this studio. We haven't had that problem. Yeah. Really. I mean, we really haven't. And then when Mahomes went out, Moore stepped up and went, did fantastic. But we haven't had a premier wide receiver get hurt or Mahomes or tight end for Pete's sake. So I like seeing what's going on with these kids showing up, doing their job, and getting the ball. Mahomes is, what, three for three? And two of those is to him. And so he's he does. I mean, he worked his butt off getting that last one. So, yeah, I think he sticks around. Who's this Pete, Pete's sake guy? I don't see his name on the depth chart. Huh? Pete, Pete's sake. You For just Pete's sake? Him. Oh, yeah. that guy? <laughs> <laughs> He's a water boy. All right, Alec, your thoughts, Jody Fortson. I mean, not much to cover after what these two went through. I would have to agree. I think he's played his way into a roster spot. Seems like he's got a little familiarity with Mahomes. And, you know, with Blake Bell going down, you like a big-bodied guy. And, you know, if the worst were to come to pass with your main guy, Kelsey, you want someone who can step in with as best of an impression of Kelsey that you can give. Josh? Yeah, I'm on board for that. Especially with Blake <laughs> Bell being hurt. I, I think like the they, concise they, answer. I'm on board with that. I'm on board with that. What he says goes. I say yes. I didn't care much about that game, so I let Phyllis, <laughs> I <didn't even> <laughs> let Phyllis choose that game. All right. We come back. We'll talk a little baseball. It's Ned Talk. I'm on a 4.7 The Cave. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network.
about 20 minutes away from the start of the pregame show. Excited to kick back and listen to Danan, Mitch, Art, Dan Israel talk about football and get us set for the game tonight. Kickoff is uh, 725, is that right? In that vicinity, yes. Yeah, for those for those night games, they've got to get that extra 20 minutes of commercials in. <laughs> so uh, that's why games kick off at that weird 725 start time. But we'll have all of it for you right here on 104.7 The Cave, your home for the AFC West champions. The Kansas City Chiefs, I'm Joe Weston, joined by Ned Reynolds, also with us today, Josh Roberts, Alex Scott, and Jake Collette. I started to say something else, I don't know what I was, I was thinking there, Jake, and my mind just absolutely drew a blank, which happens frequently at my age. <laughs> but anyway, let's turn and talk baseball. I'm wearing my Chiefs colors today, Alec is wearing his Cardinals colors today. And Ned made a, a bold statement, and if you're a Cardinal fan, I'm going to tell you, turn off the radio for the next few minutes, because Ned's bold prognostication often turns south. This one, <laughs> this one will not. I've heard him say that before, too, by the oh. way. They, they, in far as I'm concerned, well, they're the best team in their division, without question. Milwaukee is a very distant second, and the rest of them don't even play baseball anymore, I don't think. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> Although the Chicago Cubs did win two of the games in this five-game series. But the Cardinals are the best team. They have a terrific lineup. There's a little bit on the USA Today sports page that will come out tomorrow. Picture of Goldschmidt and Arnato standing there next to it. And, and it's entitled something to the effect that the Cardinals are laughing their way to the playoffs because they made a steal. My God, they got the... Here they just robbed completely the Arizona Diamondbacks of Goldschmidt. And Denver or Colorado, robbed itself of giving Arnado away. And, and they did, just gave him away. So the Cardinals are reaping the rewards from that, and, and they're, going to, they're going to make it into the playoffs. And one thing that would be absolutely hysterical to me is if the Cardinals played the Blue Jays in the World Series. Well, yeah, you could, <laughs> do you know who they open with next year? Blue Jays. The Blue Jays in yep. St. Louis. They That's open. not in Canada. But if they played in the World Series, we'll see how quickly those guys line up for shots. I promise you they would get vaccinated. There's a little <laughs> adjunct, not on the baseball lines, but the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament begins on Monday, next Monday, and Novak Djokovic ain't there. He's not mm. being allowed in the country because he refuses to be vaccinated. Hmm. Interesting. So what do you think of the Cardinals? I mean, do you think they have a shot to go deep in the playoffs? Yes, they do. A lot of it depends on their pitching. But you have to understand, and I'm not being negative, but they are playing in arguably the weakest division in all of baseball. They have beat up on these teams, and they should. They have to. Now, they have a very interesting series this weekend with the Atlanta Braves, who are at or above their level by an nth degree. But Atlanta's a challenger. They're in there for the playoffs. They have several other series coming up, Dodgers and the Padres. But the bulk of the rest of their games, and I think it's 30, 36 or 37, somewhere around there that they have remaining now, are against the Cubs, Reds, and Pirates. They close the mm. season in St. Louis with Pittsburgh and then close the season on the road in Pittsburgh, back-to-back. <laughs> -back. These are makeup games from the start of the year that – that uh, didn't get played because of the lockout or walkout or whatever you call it. But the fact is that they do have a schedule that allows them to really morph their talent level into championship-level play. And, I, yes, I think they have a chance of going deep in the playoffs. They need to send a big, nice one of those fruit baskets to the New York Yankees for giving them Jordan Montgomery. <laughs> really, they should. 
because they got a quality starter out of that. So and they that's what they need. That's what they needed. And they got him, the guy that eats innings and keeps you in games. Jake, you or do you I don't know. Do you follow baseball too much? I watched a little bit today at my buddy David Scott's house, but uh, he had the game on. He's always watching the cards. Um, baseball, as you know, is I just don't keep up with it. I wish I would. I looked at the TV today. I thought, I think I could get into this. <laughs> is this new? Is this sport new? No. But, you know, what I did like about it is at his house, he's, he's retired, but it was like, you know what? I bet, you know, these guys that watch it religiously just eat it up. Yeah, and it's fun to still watch, and those teams get, and the, and the fans are showing up. I do agree with you. I, I've listened a little bit. Um, the weakest link, as far as like, I hope that doesn't come back to bite them, um, being in the, in a division so weak. Um, but I would like to see the Cards do well. I haven't said that in a long time. I'm a Kansas City guy, so and Braves. Now I do love the Braves, and I'll tell you everything you want to know about the Braves. But St. Louis, David uh, Justice. I love that Mark Lemke, Ron the, Gant. Listen, you're on TV all the time, so you knew all those guys. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. Couldn't get better than those four pitchers back in the 90s. Andrew old, Jones. Old Mother Hubbard. I yeah. loved it all. Fred McGriff. The yeah. crime dog. The crime dog. I'm telling home. you, here we go. I'm a, what's, a Sid Bream. I'm a Sid Bream guy because I just remember I was in a bar the night that they were playing the Pittsburgh Pirates. And that ball gets hit out into the outfield, and here comes Sid Bream chugging around third base. And he just I'm slowest guy on the field, and he beats that throw, and the Braves go to the World Series that year. It was it was amazing. The the little group of us at the bar kind of erupted. Scotty Dickinson throwing out a, a salute to you. Yeah. Alex Scott, you're our, our resident cardinal expert at the moment because uh John is home writing down bad excuses to not come in to do the show so tell us tell, tell us what you think about the cardinals and it may be a weak division but what you always want to see good teams do is beat up on bad teams and that is a bar they have met so far trade deadlines treat them well Quintana has been mostly good with with a rough outing here and there Montgomery seems I don't know why New York gave him away from what we've seen so far it just seemed he was a guy that no one seemed to be calling about. We gave up an outfielder who, while being good for us, injured, can't play, and we had the room to spare. The, the thing that concerns me the most about the Cardinals is it just as good as Nolan and Goldschmidt are, they go as those two go. And you just see it when the losses, they tend to not have great days. And when they have good days, Goldschmidt hit two homers today. Goldie's good, man. Goldie's fantastic. He's probably he's I would say the NL MVP front runner, and he's going to have to have a pretty significant dip to lose it. So if these two can stay hot the whole way, which you know we're hot at the right time, baseball's a funny sport. It's all about who's coming into October healthiest and hottest. And right now those two are doing great. But if they ever take a little bit of a dip, you think I think our offense will struggle to keep up with the other teams. Josh, you want to talk about the Cubs for a minute? Nope. Okay, you don't even but, have a minute, really, actually, to talk about it. I will say this. I don't think anybody's going to beat the Dodgers this year. They're, they're very good. The Dodgers are very well-balanced, and, yeah, they, they certainly go into the playoffs with the upper hand. Did I look at Yankees sorry, get right to beat the Dodgers. games ahead of the Padres Padre, at this correct, point? Correct. But yet the a Padres. A winning team, the Padres. And the Padres are good. And a playoff-capable team. Yeah. They are 20 games ahead of the number two team. Yankees get right. They'll beat the Dodgers. 
Oh, but, they, well, but they're they're wrong. They're right. They're wrong right now. Right. I a lot of a lot of injuries. So I want to ask has, guys if I can your thoughts on the uh, baseball schedule for next year, which has been released and which is unique because it's never happened before in baseball history, and that is every team will play every other team. Oh wow! It, I like that. It in some respects it has a lot of merit to it. For an old-timer like me who's who loved the mystique of the American League playing the National League in the postseason, it's gone. I've got to, I've got to convince myself that it's gone. That part of it I don't like. But every team will play everybody else. The Cardinals, yes, they will play the Seattle Mariners. Yes, they'll play the Los Angeles Angels. Yes, they'll play the New York Yankees. The Royals will play the stalwarts. Well, they already have played the Dodgers this year, and they play the Padres this weekend. So all of that is a guarantee they will play everybody. What it does, in a lot of respects, is even things out. That's the good thing about it, because it reduces the number of division games. And for the Cardinals, that's not good news, because they'll be playing about 20 games less against their division rivals. Hmm. In other words, it, it really, it's a balanced schedule, and it does make a big difference. Jake? I like it. I mean, might as well let them play everybody, and, and I do like that. That's a, that's a pretty neat deal. I hadn't heard about that. Alec? I think I'm in favor of it. I know I'll miss beating up on Pittsburgh and Chicago and Cincinnati as much as they have, but I think <laughs> you'll get exciting matchups. There's just some guys St. Louis doesn't get to see play that's in great. St. Louis. Why do you think the Yankees sold the stadium out? And we're going to get more of that all over baseball. I think it'll be fun. I like it because I feel like all the sports that play all these games, they play every other team. I mean, in hockey, they play everybody. In, in NBA, they play everybody. And there are more games played in baseball than any other sport. So it kind of makes sense to me that eventually they would get to this point where they would play everybody at least once. Hate it. I think that the, uh, the um, I like the imbalanced schedule because it forces you to play teams in your own division and it makes you have to win your division. And the reason why I feel that that's important is because my team comes from the best division in baseball. <laughs> so the best team typically rises out of that division. When we come back, we'll give our predictions and get you up to the top of the hour for the start of the pregame show. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Getting set for the third preseason Chiefs game, or as we like to call it around here, the prayer game, because all the Chiefs fans pray that nobody gets hurt in this game as we get ready to said head for the regular season. But let me ask you this question really quickly about baseball before we get to our predictions. Ned, Pujols 700 or not? I say he does, yes. Jake? I'll go with that. I like it. Alec? Yes, you got to believe. Nope. Okay. I kind of agree with I kind of agree with you. I think that he will not make it, but I don't think that diminishes his career in any no, way, shape, or form. Not at all. No, not at all. All right, let's do our predictions. We've got uh, less than two minutes. Ned, you pick. This is the 20th time the Chiefs and Packers have played in the preseason. 20th time. The record is 9-9-1. and one, one time. Wow. I think the Chiefs break that record in their favor, and I think the Chiefs beat the Packers 20-17. to 20 to 17. Jake? 
Same thing. I, th- well, I think the Chiefs are going to win tonight by 10 points easily. Um, I don't think Jordan Love's going to do it. Mahomes is going to go two for two again, have a couple of touchdowns. By the way, my daughter has asked you sign off with a little Drake tonight. Can you make that happen? A little Drake? No. You know, Sorry. Okay. Not going to make that happen. <laughs> Drake Bell? No, no, Drake. Like, <laughs> some music. Some oh, okay. Well, we, we're kind of jazzy around here. That, that's that's right. sort of our theme. So, right. okay. There you go. All right. What about you, Alec? I'm going to take Packers 23-20. I think they played their guys who are going to be seeing some real action this year just a little longer. It's enough early, and they hang on late. Tori, uh, Alec will need to ride home as his tires will be slashed. <laughs> uh, what about you, Josh? Well, now that I know what the record is, I hope it's a tie. I hope it's a tie. Green Bay and the Chiefs tie. Green Bay and the Chiefs tie. That sounds like the name of a movie. 2020. 2020. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, here's my prediction, and that is that the Chiefs will play football tonight against the Green Bay Packers, and that game will start around 725 right here on 104.7 The Cave, your home for the AFC West champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm Joe Weston. Thanks, Deb Reynolds. Thanks, Jake Gillette. Thanks, Alex Scott. Thanks, Josh Roberts. Thanks to Brian Tindall and our very own engineer, Corbin Campbell, and Mike the intern. Stick around for football right here on The Cave.